0: Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined today by Robin Phillips, who's the Deputy Director of Post-Secondary Access at the Urban Assembly here in uh, the wonderful city of New York. Robin, I'd love to welcome you to Trending in Education.
1: Thank you, Mike. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah. So I don't think we've had anyone on the show thus far who's really focused on post-secondary access. So I think we are going to want to talk to you about that and a lot of other things, get your perspective on some of the trends you might see on the horizon at the end there. But before we get into any of that, I always love to ask my guests for their origin story. What got you to this point in your career? And if folks are interested in learning and education and the future, who are you? And and then we'll pick up from there. Oh, what got me to this point in my career? I started in
1: working in college access, the field itself in 2005, after graduating with a master's in higher education from the University of Maine. Mm. I've worked primarily in after-school programs and community-based organizations, and then worked as a college counselor at a high school in the Bronx for their inaugural class, and then transitioned to the Urban Assembly, where I work primarily with school leaders and also college counselors, helping to develop their post-secondary culture at their school and you'll hear me interchange between college and post-secondary and i'll explain why um, Mm -hmm. later but that's how i got there and then on the side (laughs) i am the board chair for the college access consortium of new york it is the leading convener of higher ed community-based organizations and high school professionals in the greater new york city
0: area Mm -hmm. got it And uh, so you've been focused on access and you've been focused on post-secondary access and distinguishing that a little bit between post-secondary access and college, I think is is probably an an interesting place to go, but, uh, but yeah, what exactly is post-secondary access?
1: Post-secondary education as a whole is any education that is after high school. The origins of it were in the 1920s, um, shortly after the Industrial Revolution. It it talks about the time when businesses and universities um, collaborated also with high schools to basically produce the workforce. And so post-secondary education includes degree-granting institutions like colleges and universities, as well as vocational trade schools, U.S. military apprenticeships, and a variety of other things. And so we now, in education to talk about colleges and universities, traditional two-year, four-year schools as the only path after high school, but if we talked about post-secondary education as a whole, yeah. we a variety of options for young people. So that's mm-hmm. where post-secondary access comes into play. It wasn't always called this. When I started this work, it was still just college access with a focus really on providing access, particularly for underserved communities and black and brown communities to higher education so to eliminate some of those barriers. And then over time, it has grown to include a, a variety of other options for mm-hmm. young
0: people. Mm-hmm. And how has that been in the crazy year that is 2020, how has it been thinking about options with people when everybody's plans must have been turned on their head come the spring and, and things are still very confusing to this day. So first off, thank you for your service that you were able to get through it yourself, but, but any perspective or thoughts you might be able to share about how thinking about options for folks after high school how those conversations evolved over this crazy year?
1: Yeah, it's so loaded, right? We had no idea. First of all, colleges sent students home very quickly. So you had the college students who were coming home and that was, this was March. And so this is when, if you're in high school, you're getting your acceptance letters um, and your financial aid packages. And there's no clear indication of will this school even be open come fall when you're deciding if you want to take out this loan um, to attend this college or not, whether or wow going to be sitting on your mother's couch taking class so there was that a lot of students opted especially in New York City to go to CUNY schools here in the city the tuition rates are like they're very affordable really great schools nonetheless Mm -hmm. and so a lot of students chose to do that this year there are some who did venture off and are on their way home now for the remainder of this semester that they made. It was a gamble, but it is a choice that they made. So when you think about the class of 2021, there is some uncertainty there as well. There are a lot of colleges and universities who are changing what they're going to be offering in the future. A lot of them are starting to trend back towards the idea of being very specific towards a particular career or uh, what's trending in the workforce. So Mm -hmm. understanding what If you're a young person and you're looking for a school right now, it's very hard to determine whether or not that school is going to even have that major in a year. There's just a lot of unknowns. um, Right, right. right. Secondary access. So, but the the thing that young people can do and the one thing that they can always take with them are certifications and credentials. And there are so many places now that are just offering these things online. Yeah. and, And I can take that with me no matter what. And a lot of universities will give prior learning credit to those. Experiences. So, mm-hmm. if I were to offer that to a young person, I would say that might be the best way, uh, the best foot forward for you right now. Yeah. In addition to attending a community college, which there are so many stigmas around community college, it is probably why most students are not attending community college. Mm-hmm. But we know that, especially for Black and Brown students, there is a greater sense of belonging that students have when they're at community colleges. It might be because of sheer numbers, yeah. um, but we're seeing that in comparison to their counterparts um, in four-year institutions. There was a recent study about this that said that there was some difference that's in students' sense of belonging based on race. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough that it is a difference nonetheless. So you have to think about that. Like, why is there a difference? Like, why are some students saying that they feel like they belong and others are not? Right. And so a lot of universities are now doing a better job of keeping track of first-year, especially first-generation college students and their experiences on campus. But we're finding that a lot of our students, regardless, are either choosing to go to community colleges and or because of the pandemic are Mm -hmm. staying closer to home or with sure bets right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've also, I've heard people talk about take the gap year. I'd love to get your perspective a bit on gap years. And then the idea of a Corona gap was something that people were talking about in the spring, just because realistically, it's going to be a tough year to keep up with the pace you would have normally been at and hit all the social things you might have wanted to have through your college experience, if you're lucky enough to focus on those kinds of things. Instead, it's like, how do I just get through this without losing too much time mm-hmm. and still have the ability to keep my act together? It's almost like the whole way you think about that conversation changes. Any perspective on that? Yeah. But,
2: I think,
1: in general, one understanding of what a gap year actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, a gap year is meant to either you have some subsequent education that's going on or there's experience that you're having. Yeah. Um, it's meant to be like the year that you just did not go to school, right. or not in a career education. So, I think, again, going back to what young people can do from home, again, a lot of the certifications that are available. Yeah. Right This is a prime opportunity to learn something without utilizing your financial aid because you have a limited amount of semesters that you can use your financial aid. Again, in this interim where we're not really sure what's going on, young people taking ownership of their education to earn certificates, earn credentials in areas that are probably more tech heavy and tech focused because
2: Mm -hmm.
1: clearly this is what we're doing right now. Those things they can take with them wherever they go. And so I think that again is one of the better bets that young people could be looking for right now, especially if they're going to take what we're
0: calling a gap year. And how do you stay on top of what's emerging? What do you look for? Are there any resources or places you would recommend people keep an eye on? Because they have to stay on top of some of this stuff just to make sure you understand all the options because the playing field's changing a lot these days. I I know I have a hard time keeping up, so I'm always curious if you have any recommendations. Yeah,
1: aside from... Just the variety of newsletters that come into my inbox with great stories and research like the one I was telling you about belonging. My work with the College Access Consortium of New York is how I stay most updated because it is so, because our community is so mixed, we can get updates that way and we share updates across listservs. And so that's how I pretty much keep up with a lot of it, but Mm -hmm. it is changing. And actually that's part of the problem is that the people who are doing the work on the ground in schools don't have the capacity to also stay on top of what the changing landscape is. Right. What they're advising young people to do is based on information that might be old. Right. And so that's part of what my job is mm-hmm. to make sure that I know what that information is and that my mm-hmm. team knows what that information is and that yeah. we're donating it to our schools um, and to our stakeholders uh, because it is a lot. And yeah. School has a CUNY went test blind, and they'll be test blind for the next three cycles. Changes how we do things in high school, mm-hmm. right? Everything has a ripple effect. When CUNY transformed, transformed to do from the paper application to the online application, which required students to submit essays, yeah, that changed how we did everything in schools. When yeah. that updated, that changed how we did everything in school. It's you try to stay up as best you can on top of what's going on, but it is hard. Yeah. And no means are any of us always a hundred percent knowledgeable of every single thing that's happening every single day because it it keeps on changing.
0: Yeah. But the consortium, like, uh, can you, is there a place that people would go to for the consortium?
1: www.cacneyinc.org. So cacneyinc.org.
0: How how do you spell CACney?
1: CACney, C-A-C.
0: Okay. C-A-C-N-Y. Awesome. So that's a good place for people to go, uh, to track this type of information down. And, and we talked a bit as well, just about the other options prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What trends were you seeing just around thinking about what you do after high school? And, and maybe some of those things are changing now it, it, since things have moved online and things are different, but what are some examples of tracks or pathways out there that you've seen that people maybe don't typically think about when it comes to post-secondary education? Yeah,
1: prior to the pandemic, we were seeing... A lot of more and more students are saying, I don't want to go to college, quote unquote, like the two-year, four-year version of it. They're, that's yeah. what they were saying. For a lot of us, especially when I was a counselor, I didn't have a counter offer. I didn't know what to tell them. Mm-hmm. Over time, we've learned there are more and more programs out there. There, Some of the popular ones here in the city are Year Up, Co-op Tech, which is through the Department of Education. These are great opportunities to go into Co-op Tech and see just the different hands-on experiences that young people can have that they really just wouldn't get in high school because the high school just isn't built for that. Mm. Students want a variety of things. And what has happened is that we have, as a society, we have demeaned certain professions in such a way that like young people can't see it as like a business opportunity or to be a self-employed or they don't even see those things. And so, Early college and career awareness is really the answer to this whole solution. And getting young people very clear about their own interests and then the careers that match that interest and then understanding, do do I need a traditional college degree to do this career? If the answer is yes, then let me point you in that direction. If the answer is no, then let me show you where to go. But we don't usually typically, by default of capacity, we usually don't have as counselors the opportunity to do that early enough with young people and so when we finally do meet with them mm-hmm. you're 16 you got your mind made up right. and it's really hard it's really hard to, to go in there and really change it and, and yeah. not even change it, it's to to offer it up something new yeah and so that becomes really difficult but again if young people were doing this earlier, then by the time they run into their college counselor, it's more, hey, Mrs. Phillips, I've done these two internships or the job shadow, or I researched this career. I've also yeah. done XYZ, this that, and the third. And so I know I'm going to do Y. Mm-hmm. And I need to know can you tell me more about some schools that XYZ, right? And then it's, it's a different kind of conversation than me talking to a kid purely about their GPA and what was formerly known as SAT scores, and then giving them a list of schools. That's a whole other thing, testing and the fact that we're not
0: doing it anymore. But <laughs> right, right. I could, that's a whole- We, may, we may save that for another show, but it, it's really fascinating. If you have any perspective on it, feel free.
2: I go
1: either, I can go so many different directions with it. I, as a person probably, I know that testing is biased. At the same time, until, there is a holistic method of evaluating a young person after high school. Mm -hmm. I am afraid that a lot of our communities will suffer. They're not using tests anymore, because Mm -hmm. if you're not using tests, that means you have to have something else to back it up. You have to have extracurricular activities. You have to have other things in your portfolio to round you out as a student. A lot of schools don't have the money to have these services.
2: Right.
1: So, all
2: the student
0: will have is their GPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, what I like to call a sticky wicket. I don't even know what that means, but, <laughs> but I'm going to say that's a sticky wicket. So, uh, so maybe we'll come back to that one another time. But uh, but I think more the, uh, on the post-secondary mindset, I guess, too, is you got to figure out what success looks like for every kid, every family. And success may not always meet your expectations or quote-unquote society's expectations, can you talk a little bit about that uh, perspective? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's deep, right? Because the numbers suggest that a traditional four year college degree is the fastest way to obtaining social and economic mobility. Mm-hmm. That is still a, a fact. But do all students need that to advance in their life? Is that what that family needs? I'll give you an example. So, when I was a counselor, I was struggling with some parent engagement stuff and I was talking to one of the guidance counselors and she said, Robin, here's the thing. And I want you to think about this. She said, there's some families that are coming from, and these were, I I worked with a a large immigrant population. So there's some families that are coming from some places where the parents themselves have an elementary school education. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing in the middle school parents having conversations with students, like, listen, if you're not liking school right now, we could use you to go work and make money. And that needed to be okay with the school. As long as the kid was coming to school to meet the attendance, that needed to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it made me think because I was like, that went against what I felt and believed. But at the same time, who am I right. to tell this family that what they're deciding to do with their child is wrong? Right. Now, fast forward to put this child in 12th grade, and this is what we've seen a lot in the pandemic anyway, a lot of high school seniors, 16 to 17 year olds are the primary breadwinners for their families right now. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. So who am I to tell this young person that what they should do is not be the primary breadwinner of their family anymore and instead take this four year college opportunity in Boston Yeah. Just because they are giving you a free ride. And, and yes, is it a great opportunity? Absolutely. Do we want you to be able, like we want you to have all of these things, but does that make sense for your family? And who am I to tell you that it doesn't? Right. So that's me though. Yeah. I have to say that's me. Not everybody um, is on that page. A lot of mm-hmm. people will still argue, no, it makes more sense for the young person to go to the school and the family. Right. Figure it out. Really? So then when that child gets to that campus, and they're worried about how mom is taking care of what's yeah. going at home. Mm-hmm. You think she's concentrating on bio one hundred and one? I don't right. know. Right. So let's find another option that makes sense for the young person. Let's put them on a pathway to success. What's wrong with her staying here and going to community college for two, the yeah. and then helping her transfer after this pandemic is over and things have changed? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that?
2: Right. Yeah. But
1: not everybody's going to be on that page. You know why? Because. Frankly, there's a lot of money
2: attached
1: to outcomes that look a lot shinier than saying Mm -hmm. you're going to community college.
0: Yeah. 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 So I was also curious when you were talking about post-secondary pathways, it sounded like you uh, were thinking about entrepreneurship and I I hadn't thought about that. I know it's something that does, maybe I just picked up on that out of of the blue, but it's something that I've always found interesting. There is the narrative of starting your own business straight straight out of high school is that a pathway that ever comes up? How do you think about entrepreneurship? And if someone's interested in being an entrepreneur, do they? does it still make sense for them to pursue the four-year degree on that pathway? Mm, that's another one of those tricky questions. Yeah, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to keep you on your toes, Robin. So
1: I would say there's two ways to answer this. One, I think it goes back to skill development. The skills that employers say that they're looking for don't necessarily match up with the skills that are praised and highlighted in high school. Mm-hmm. The skills that would make you a great entrepreneur, organization, public relations marketing, like all those things. So those things are not going to be necessarily right. communication skills. Mm-hmm. Those things are not going to be. If, I know, I've known young people who've had like cake pot businesses, yeah. do everybody's nails. And the thing is, they just needed to know how to market it. Mm-hmm. And they would be, you know, on Etsy selling all kinds of stuff now. And so I think we don't give young people credit for their abilities to do stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) We want to pretend that they need us forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they don't. They stopped meeting us a while ago. But they still, (laughs) but they need a direction. So if I could give you the blueprint of like how to set up your Google analytics and your business or to show you how to do that, then maybe you will start your own web page and you can have your own business and we can promote it around the school. Then your friends can participate. There are young people that have such a hustler spirit. It is, it is beyond me. And I guess I did it too. I was a hair braider in college. Like Uh my side hustle. Yeah. If I had the technology of now, I probably, And even better, oh my <laughs> gosh, like my, I would've had an Instagram page, I would've had some YouTube videos.
0: Yeah, there's, maybe there's time, who knows? We're getting closer to time. We also like to have our guests look into their crystal balls, though, as well. So if you're trying to imagine what the future might bring, we're recording this in November. Even short, medium, long-term views. Anything you see down the road, see around the corner that you think is interesting that folks should keep an eye on? <sighs>
2: Yeah,
1: I think the one thing that came to mind was something that happened early on in the pandemic. I think it started by Google anyway, but this idea of being able to get certified and earn credentials online that would be recognized by industry partners and recognized by colleges and universities. I think that, excuse me, is making colleges and universities perk up a little bit and try to be a bit more narrow in their focus. I think we're going to see a shift in what liberal arts education is and was. Mm. I think it'll be interesting, to be honest. I think just the same way you have the agriculture and technical schools, all the a down in the South and things like that, I think you'll start to see some more of that. Schools that, colleges and universities that are a bit more focused in their offerings um, to match the needs of society, which, yeah. circle it all the way back, is what post-secondary education was supposed to be in the beginning anyway, between what happens in high school, what's happening in the university, and then what's happening in the workforce. And that actually the university was an option, but you could still be very successful without it. That is how it was intended. Right. And I think we might see it start to trend a little bit more back that way for a little while,
2: Yeah.
1: but college is a big business. So they'll figure out how to come back strong.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Any
0: final thoughts from you, Robin? If folks want to learn more about post-secondary education and trends in that space, or if they want to keep up with what you're thinking, any recommendations there?
2: Well, I I have to plug the
1: Urban Assembly post-secondary readiness team. We're doing a series of professional development webinars um, talking about reimagining post-secondary readiness. And so basically we're going to talk a lot about some of the things I would discuss here, the idea that there are a variety of options that we should be starting much earlier, that what we do and the outcomes that we're seeing, like when we connect to success, when we see what's happening, they're not matching and it's just a need to do it and that it actually just can't live all in the college office. It is the whole high school's responsibility to make sure that students are ready for life after they leave those buildings. So we're doing a professional development series. It's, it'll go through, to June, 2021. So we're doing roughly monthly. And so far we've done just the reimagining post-secondary readiness. We talked about all kinds of ways to rethink post-secondary readiness, including upskilling, reskilling, stackable credentials, yeah. um, micro-credentialing, a lot of the things that I briefly touched on, but not necessarily named them by name. Yeah. And then most recently, actually yesterday, we did one on centering student voice and choice, which is really what it comes down to. If we're asking young people what it is that they are interested in and then helping them to navigate how to find answers for themselves. They do amazing things if we just give them the tools. So that was what we did on that. And then the next one we're doing is on family engagement because um, COVID has shown us anything. It is that Without our par- parents and our families, we cannot do this work. And there is no post-secondary access without family engagement. So mm-hmm. that is our next one. And that one's going to be on December 9th.
0: Wow. There you go. I can see why why you're busy right on through next summer with this stuff, because it sounds like there's quite a bit going on and I very much appreciate what you and uh, your team are doing and what the Urban Assembly is, is doing in this space. Robin Phillips, thanks very much for, for joining us on Trending Education this is Mike Palmer. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, give us a review, share the love. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.